kid. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Eisenberg, and I'm here with Tyler Gillum. And if you don't know him, you should. There's a lot of great things he's doing. He's been a 10-year college coach. He's coming back to be the fifth year with the Savannah Bananas. But the most incredible thing about him, I think personally, is you go to the top of his Twitter page, you go to the top of his webpage, and it says his life's goal is to have a positive impact on 1 million people through baseball, education, and exercise. And if that doesn't tell you everything about the kind of person he is, I am just flattered that to have him here with us today. So uh, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for being Thanks for having me on here. I'm pumped and it's always good to talk shop with you, Brian. So let's get into it, man. I'm pumped. Thank you for having me. So I want to dive into that statement and I want to get behind the why, what, why did you have to publicly state as your goal, a million people that you want to impact through baseball and, and wellness and physical education and all of that. In 2017, January, 2017. I was actually trying to set a goal that would absolutely scare the hell out of me and that everybody would say, no, nah, that's stupid. How are you ever going to do that? That was the kind of genesis behind it. I teach a healthful living class, HES 100. I've taught it probably 35 times since 2011. And within that course, I actually share a lot of different videos of people that are inspiring. And one video was actually of Will Smith talking about setting bit goals that are so big that they really scare you and I manifested on that for a little bit and I just wanted to do something everybody always sets goals in January some people set them throughout the year there's a bunch of different ways to do it but I don't know I had something tugging on my heart said you know what I need to do that and if I do that so big even if I don't get to a million I'm going to land somewhere that's pretty special. And uh, that's how that came to be. So I wrote it on my whiteboard in my office on January 1st, 2017. I want to have a positive impact on 1 million people through baseball education and exercise. And that's really been my North star since 2017. And we're chugging along and I don't know if I'm there yet, but I know I'm a lot closer than I was in 2017. I'll say that. So. It's been five years. If you had to know that you're in the right direction, if you're looking for a weight point to say, okay, I'm going towards that goal. Can you tell us about me or a couple of people that you've actually, that you've influenced through what you're doing? Yeah. When I set that goal, I, that summer, I went to the Cape Cod League and coached that summer with Coach Pick. And that was a special summer. And then in September, I got a call about the bananas job and my one of my good friends sean west was the head coach the first two summers of the bananas and he said hey gillum i'm having a kid next year i want to go back to the bananas but i can't what are you interested in the job and when i started diving into anything to everything of the bananas they were already selling out some games and i was looking for a new challenge and i felt pulled in the direction of Hey, you know what? I think this is the platform that's going to help me impact as many people as I possibly can. And through that, over the last five years, we've had a ton of kids come through. We have, we've had a ton of fans come through and 
what's special about it is random people know that goal. And I know that's what, how it's working is because I have random people that I've really never met either find me on Twitter or they'll come to a bananas game and they'll be like, Hey, Gillum, I listened to this podcast and I want you to know that me and my 12 and under baseball team were impacted by you. And you can add us to that 1 million list. So it's like random people that have reached out and told me and, and that, that's kind of the whole thing. Just try to impact one person a day, no matter what the situation is, whether that's telling them, you know, that their dress looks good or their shirt looks good or their hair looks good, or you appreciate them in some way. I, it's all those little things over a period of time. And if you keep doing that every single day, eventually you're going to show up there. I think it's just consistency and discipline to having that as your North star. I would say that's the biggest one, man. Random people that, that know my huge goal and they haven't even officially met me in person yet. So I think that's the special piece about it. That's amazing. You, you said a couple of things there are so powerful. I think for our listeners, first of all, the, just the consistency, right? Just every day showing up every day, doing something positive, working towards your big goal. The other big one that I think is most powerful is the fact that you never know what people are going through. And that one little positive comment that, that you make could change the course of their lives. And I've seen that. Kudos to you for wanting to do it and obviously for what you're attempting to do, but let's touch on the bananas a little bit. There, there are those who look at banana bowl and that's just so much fun. And obviously they're selling out crowds and now they're traveling all over the place and they're going to be on ESPN soon. We, we can talk a little bit about that, but then there's that, this other group and we'll, we come up into the grumpy old men group kind of thing that like, that's not baseball. And I look at it and I'm like, man, that's the kind of baseball, like I played as a little kid. Like you just made the rules based on where you were and what the situation was. And you, the, the goal was just to have fun that day. Yeah, no doubt. And at the end of the day, we throw the ball, we hit the ball, we catch the ball. Like that, that's the game. Yep. A am I, am I far off? Or like, are the grumpy old men too grumpy? Like, where are we with it? They might be. It. To each his own. You're not going to please everybody, no matter what you do. But I'll tell you this, man, banana bowl is fun. And there's a bunch of people that like it. We went to seven different cities this spring, sold out seven different cities. Merchandise is just flying off the stands. We can't even keep enough merchandise in our merchandise store. It's so crazy, but people seem to love it. How I look at it is like, everybody gets caught up with trying to compare it to baseball. I look at it as a new game. I look at it as a more exciting game, a more entertaining game. And people do too. People love it, man. It's the, how I know that it's working is because what we do in banana land, I have fans every single night when we degreet. Okay. So after we finish games, we'd go to the plaza and we party with all the fans. We tell them, thanks for coming to the game. We appreciate you guys. And then our band's playing and we're hanging out and dancing with the fans. Right. And every single game. I have a fan come up and say, Gillen, I'm not a big baseball fan, but I love coming to banana games. And I, that tells me the story right there. And so we're not for everybody, but we are for some people that like banana bowl and like the change of it and like the fast pace of it and like the entertainment of it. And that's fine. We're not trying to be for everybody. I think if in any business that you're in, 
if you're trying to please everybody, it's not going to happen. You're just going to bang your head against the wall. We're, if you go to our website, it says we make baseball fun and that's why we exist. And that's what we do every day. So when we have fans come down and say, Hey, I'm not really a baseball fan, but I love the bananas and I love coming to these games. And I think that's a special piece about it. And Jesse's new book, the fans first book. I think what it really represents is if anybody reads that book is all the little stories where we create never forget moments at baseball games. That's the special thing. There's so many stories of little kids or people coming to games and they say, man, the bat and the autographs and coming to do the VIP experience and play catch on the field or the sweethearts of the game where we give little roses to grandmas or little girls in the stands. There's so many moments that we try to touch every single fan that comes to a game. And so I know when we're doing those and we're creating those never forget moments, that's what we're doing. And that's what we focus on. Anybody that kind of wants to just scream at the cloud, we, I don't waste too much attention on that. Like we're trying to create never forget moments and that's where our attention is. Isn't that what the game of baseball is about, right? We could talk about it. Like we touched on it earlier. You won four state championships, right, in high school. And, and I'm sure even before that, you've got never forget moments that you have with your family from games. And that is what the joy of baseball is about. So, like, why not applaud it no matter what? But let's touch on that, that never forget the, those fun moments. Because you also coach college players. And you've been doing that for a long time. And, of course, uh, Banana Summer Bowl is with college players. What are some of the lessons that we can take away as parents and as student athletes from watching Banana Bowl and watching what you guys are doing that we could bring to every day to our game that would make us better players and maybe stand out more to those college coaches? Yeah, I think it's learning to play loose and relaxed and having fun. We get caught up in the outcomes all the time, and it's trying to stay within the moment and be really good within the moment. We have a saying called flip the switch in banana land, and that is flipping the switch for us is the ability to go from the entertainment to the baseball, back to the entertainment, back to the baseball in a flip of a switch without the loss of enthusiasm or focus. And if we can do that, then we can win on the entertainment side and the fan side, and then we can also win on the baseball side. And I tell our guys, we have an entertainment meeting before every single home game. And uh, the last thing I say on the baseball side of it is, hey, figure out how you're going to create a never forget moment tonight on the baseball side, on the diamond, but also in the stands when you're doing a promo or whatever it is. So figure out how you can do that for a fan because every single game is somebody's first banana game. And so remember when you went to a major league game for the first time, in those experiences that you had. We want to recreate those for every little kid that comes. Going back to one of your previous questions, the thing I know that it's working is because I hear these eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds going to school and dressing up for career day like a Savannah banana. Not a New York Yankee, not a Boston Red Sox, not a Chicago Cub. They say, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a Savannah banana. And that blows my mind. And that's how I know it's working is because we're impacting those kids and they see it. Even that's kids in Oklahoma, in Arizona, in California. In you know, Texas. Th it's all over the place. Right? And so I'm like, man, th this thing's working, creating those never forget moments. So I think that's the special piece of it is learning to 
get away from always thinking about ourselves. Cause I think when we worry about outcomes, we're worried about ourselves. When we start thinking about other people, you think about creating those never forget moments for your teammates, being selfless, creating those never forget moments for fans, playing loose, playing free. That's where you're going to play your best baseball. And that's not the easiest thing to do, but if we can figure out how to do that, we're going to be off. We're going to be in a better place to compete at a high level. Yeah. I'm sure people have seen those TikTok videos going around all, all over social media of the guys in the middle of like the whole team in the middle of, of a dance. And then all of a sudden here comes the pitch and all the infielders are ready and everything like that. I think, like you said, I love how you said that the flip the switch moment as an infield coach, and you've been, and you've been doing that for a long time. How can you help that younger player learn how to flip that switch? So they're, so they they are ready. Like in that moment, they're having fun, they're loose, but now they're ready. Yeah. I think something I use with my infielders a lot is being in the box and out of the box. That's what we talk about within our pre-pitch routine. And there's about a 12 to 15 minute seconds in between each pitch, right? And so where a lot of guys get lost is they think negatively or they don't prepare for the next play a lot within those 12 to 15 seconds. And so there's a lot of little things that you can break down within those 12 to 15 seconds. So example would be, let's say a pitcher makes a pitch, boom. After the pitch happens, you got 12 to 15 seconds. And that would be assessing the situation. Who's the runners on base? How fast are those guys? Who's the pitcher on the mound? How hard is he throwing? Or how soft is he throwing? And then assessing who the hitter is. Where does this guy hit the ball? Is he a full guy? Is he a guy that kind of punches the ball the other way? Does he hit a lot of balls in the air? What's it, what type of situation is it? Maybe it's, we're up in the game a lot. So we need to figure out how to get an out, or maybe it's a one run game. So you have to turn a double play more. Who are you hooking up with in the outfield? And then once you figure all of those things out and communicate, I like to say we need a lot more infielders that are reminders. Right. So reminders are like, Hey, might be a bunt right here. Hey, hooking up right here on a double play back to you hooking up in the middle. Hey, I'm your cutoff me into an outfielder. All right. Make sure we point out a fly ball, a guy that can be a reminder. And then with reminders, the guy, the other guys in the infield are echoes, right? So you need to have echoes throughout one of those situations is on my sheet at home or on my sheet in the game, in the dugout. I will either yell at the third baseman or the first baseman and let him know, hey, the runner at the plate is a 4-3 runner. So I'll go 43-43, and if it's the first baseman, he goes 43-43-43-43, and they go all the way around the infield. So a reminder and an echo. All right, with that, you start simulating plays within your mind. So imagery and visualization before the plays actually happen. I think that's where we get lost sometimes as infielders is because we're thinking about the past. Either I just made an error or I made, I had a bat at bat. How many young guys take their strikeout to the field defensively? And you got to be able to flip the switch and go from defense to offense. And getting back to the moment and trying to be as good as you possibly can be in the moment is, is so special for high-level athletes. So you can be on time for your prep step and adjust to whatever's about to happen in the game. Being in the box is right when the pitcher's making the play and being out of the box is that 12 to 15 seconds where you're simulating everything, communicating, being a reminder and being an echo.
That's awesome. I love that reminder and echo part. From the point of view of never forget moment, if I'm that infielder and I'm visualizing something and I, I see where the runners are, should I be visualizing like I want to create a never forget moment when that ball gets hit to me, I'm going to do this and then that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's even like the plus plays. My first thought to that is the Jeter play. How many times have you seen the Jeter play? Or you've got one of my favorite plays of all time is Ozzie Smith when he dove and the ball hit a rock and he caught it barehanded and threw the guy out. Or the double play where, you know, o Omar Vizquel jumps over the guy at second base to turn the double plays. Like those visualizations are always in my head and always say it happens up here before it happens in reality. So you got to see those things and you got to see yourself being successful in those plays before they actually happen. If we're having negative thoughts, then it, there's a good chance that our performance is going to go down. Don't hit me this ground ball, all the negative words that we use in our head. Something I like to tell our guys all the time is about self-talk, right? Because the game's you versus you. You're trying to be your very best at each pitch in the game. There's roughly 300 pitches in a game. So how many times can you be locked in in the moment each pitch? And that's what you're trying to win. Can you be on time for a pre-pitch, your pre-pitch routine, 150 pitches in a game on defense, right? And so that that's a part of that is your self-talk. Something I stole from John Gordon, he actually interviewed a, a guy that ran a a double marathon, a double Ironman, actually. And he said, man, running a double Ironman is unbelievable. Like, how did you possibly get through a double Ironman? Not just one Ironman, a double Ironman. And the guy said, where I really turn the corner is when I learn to quit listening to myself and start talking to myself. So how special that self-talk is. And you see all the high-level performers being really good self-talkers, believing in themselves and having confidence of, Hey, hit me the ground ball, hit it to me and you're out. And that's what we say as infielders with my infielders a lot is try to repeat, re-say that phrase over and over, hit it to me and you're out, hit it to me and you're out, hit it to me and you're out. And so we want to keep that in our heads and then visualize all those different plays that you could get backhand, forehand, on the run, double play over your head, whatever those are. So let's talk about that self-talk for a second. I, I see it. You've got the kid, he made a bad play, or maybe it's the pitcher and he's walking too many guys. He's having a hard day today. Maybe you know, like I was talking to a college coach friend of mine, coaching the summer league and poor kid he was facing, had a blister on his foot and wasn't feeling well. You can see he was all white, but he still went out there and competed. But there's probably some self-talk that's saying, yeah, I just sucked today. I was terrible today. How as a parent and as a student athlete. Can we help those kids who struggle with that negative self-talk? Yeah, I think it's a lot of experience. I think going through it, we all go through it. Every athlete in the world has the negative thoughts. Our mind defaults to negativity. And so we've got to teach ourselves to rewire our brain to be positive in those situations. But the first thing I think Ken Revisit probably talked about it the most is being able to identify those negative thoughts that you have. He called those red lights and be able to change those to green lights and having a physical adjustment. I saw some guys this year in college baseball where their physical adjustment in the batter's box was a swipe of the chest to say, hey, I'm back in the moment. 
And that was usually either after a bad swing, like maybe a breaking ball in the dirt and you swung at it, or maybe an umpire called a borderline pitch, a strike, and you didn't agree with it. Or not borderline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The adjustment has to be there. And I think Ken Revisa for in the baseball world gave us those physical adjustments before anybody else did when he was at Cal State Fullerton and they won the national championship that year with Augie Garrido, one of their adjustments to negative experiences was putting those little toilets in the dugout and they could flush the toilet, flush a bat at bat or flush a flush bad defensive play or an inning pitched or whatever, flush it and get to the next one. So that was one of their sayings is like flush it, get to the next pitch. I think teaching our kids those situations as parents, we want our kids to be great. Sometimes I think that we get in the way more than anything. There's some studies actually done where there was a, there was some pickup baseball. I believe it was in o Oklahoma city, Oklahoma, where the parents, how the structure of this pickup game of baseball win is they just had to drop their kids off, but the parents couldn't stay in all the kids made up the rules, made up the outs. And the kids said they had more fun. I think there's something to that. Sometimes it's best for us to get out of the way or just support them instead of jumping down their throat and make, thinking they're going to make, they're going to hit every pitch or they're going to make every throw. There was also a, a story about a little league coach that one player was struggling in the game. I think it was like a 12 year old. He was struggling hitting and his dad was yelling at him from over in the, uh, the dugout or behind the dugout or whatever. Let's go hit the ball. Sometimes we forget how hard it is to hit a round ball with a round bat, especially with people watching at a young age. And the coach actually had the parent come out and hit at practice and he struck him out and they kept yelling at him. Like, how do you feel, man? So sometimes as parents, we forget. These kids need to have fun. These kids need to have fun. They're going to learn through some of those moments, man. I can tell you right now, when I was 12, 10 years old, I had some of those moments and man, it took me a while to understand how to control those moments. I was a kid that I punched fences and broke trophies because I was in, we got third place instead of first. And so it took me a little while to understand like, Hey, you're not going to be successful all the time, but if you can be in the moment. If you can be in the moment, compete your very best, like that's what you can ask for, you know? That's a true competitor. That's, and that's what we want out of our kids. We want them to be competitive. Yes. Let's go back to when you were younger. And we mentioned earlier your state national titles. And I want to go in two different things out of there. Cause you, you know, you talked a little bit about what your coach did there. And I, I want to touch on that when we talked earlier, but I also want to talk about what you're seeing like what high school players look like. Cause you know, you're not, I mean, I'm, I'm significantly older than you, but you're not that much older than like some of the players that we're dealing with now. What it looked like kids then, and also with your, your degree in kinesiology, kinesiology and strength and conditioning and all that, what looks different from today's player and the player when you were in high school? So let's go back to high school a little bit. Yeah. If you go back to high school, I was lucky enough to be on some really good teams. My high school coach ended up being the winningest high school baseball coach in the country back in 2020. I think he's got over 2,120 wins. 
but he taught me a lot more about life than he did about the game of baseball. And he was really good at teaching the game of baseball. And that's why I became a coach is because of him. Something that he really taught us is just the ability to compete. I remember my freshman year taking ground balls at short and I missed a ball and I was complaining about a divot in the dirt and he jumped on me right away. No, that means you just didn't move your feet enough. You need to get your butt in there and you need to compete. That always stuck with me. The ability to get back up and understanding how to keep yourself at a high standard. I think that's so important. I think a lot of people would look at this. You probably couldn't even do this in today's world, but in 2020, when in 2001, in the fall of 2001, I was a freshman and the year before we had 12 seniors at a small school, all those guys graduated. So we were a really young team. We actually only had two seniors on that team. Everybody was expecting us to suck. They weren't expecting us to be very good. And we got to that year. We were really, we had really good underclassmen that played together for a long time since coach pitch. And so we had a lot, the team chemistry was really there and we won all the way through. And so that year we actually started beating people really bad in the middle of the year. And so it got to a point where the standard changed from winning games to like, you should win games and run roll people. And so about halfway through our head coach actually was like, all right, if we don't run roll a team within five innings, then we're going to run. And so it was another standard of it's, you're so much better than everybody else. It's not just about beating games. You guys can basically show up and just beat people. We need to beat people at a certain level to play at our very best every single game. So he was challenging us to be our very best every single day. And some people wouldn't understand that. Some people that they would say that's too high of a standard. Oh, they're winning games. Why are you being too hard on them? But he was teaching us like, You are at a level that's different than everybody else. And you need to hold yourself to that standard every single day you show up. And so I think that's a special piece that you can do that some kids today maybe not have. But one thing I think that's really different today is so many kids have opportunities to learn either on YouTube or a podcast or just watching social media. And there's pros and cons to that. Sometimes I think we get caught up in trying to be everybody else or trying to go to too many hitting coaches or pitching coaches where we just need to get in the arena and compete and learn we're our best coach. And so I think we just need to get in there and put that work in so much. Sometimes I think we get stuck in our head about, I have to perfect this swing instead of learning to compete. And the compete factor is one of the best factors that you can have. If you go If you watch some of the best big leaguers in the world and people could break down their hitting mechanics, you would say, man, that hit those hitting mechanics aren't very good, but that dude knows how to compete. He knows how to get in their arena and and throw punches. Cause at the end of the day, baseball is a one-on-one battle. It's you versus the pitcher or the pitcher versus the hitter. And you got to learn to compete when you're not a hundred percent and you don't have the best sleep performance the day before or whatever. I think that compete factor is one of the things that we can learn in anything is just figuring out how to compete every single pitch, even if you don't have your best stuff. And it comes back to what you were talking about earlier, which is getting that visualization, getting in that moment, flipping the switch. Yeah. Two, two more questions for you. So one, you talked about how even in high school, your coach was 
getting together with everybody in the locker room yep. and they'd play some songs. Can you tell us a little bit about what he did there and again, maybe how parents or student athletes can leverage some of that right now? Yeah. Starting my sophomore year, we had an assistant coach named Toby Wilson. He was a younger guy. He's 24, 25 at that time. And this was 2002, 2003. Phil Jackson was a big deal going through the nineties. Everybody's seen the last dance now for the younger generation. In that time, Phil Jackson was a big zit, visualization, imagery type person. So what he stole from Phil Jackson was the ability to basically visualize being successful before it happened. So Toby got us in the locker room before the state tournament and we show up to the locker room. He's got three or four songs actually put on a CD. It was a CD back then, Brian. So he burned a CD. We get in the locker room and the first time we did it, we didn't know what was going on. He said, all right, guys, I want everybody to lay down on the floor. If you got your glove, you can put it over your face. I'm going to turn out the lights. We're going to play some music. What I want you guys to do is just be really comfortable. And I want you to visualize being in the state tournament, visualize competing, visualize pitching, visualize making a diving play, visualizing dogpiling on that last day on Saturday, visualize all of those moments. So we all laid down in a comfortable spot where we were really relaxed. I always talk about laying on a cloud and he turned some music on and the first song was Phil Jackson in the air tonight. And so it's that slow, like you're getting in the moment and uh, I get chills thinking about it every single time. And you're like, you're visualizing being successful. The next song was the dance by Garth Brooks. And I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan from Oklahoma. He's from Oklahoma and you go through the dance and you're talking about being there in the moment, no matter what, I want to, I want to go through this dance type of deal. And another one that's been off the cuff song was audio slave shadow on the sun. So it's got this rhythmic beat. That's just different than a lot of different songs. It's a low key song really, but it was going at the time and it's just, I don't know. It's got this this vibe to it where you're just like, okay. And then the last song, the fourth song is ACDC Thunderstruck. And about halfway through that song, he flipped a switch on, he flipped the lights on in the locker room. And I don't know, there was an emotion where everybody was, everybody started screaming, yelling. It was kind of like a, let's go do this type of thing. And we did it my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year before every state tournament. And uh, I've always kept that with me. I think that was special. It was like, you put yourself in that moment and you were like, okay, let's go do this. And uh, a lot of high level people always say it happens in your mind before it happens in reality. And I don't like straying away from looking at those things. You know, some people say, ah, don't, don't talk about winning the championship or dogpiling or whatever. I like talking about that stuff often because. I think you, it puts yourself in that mo in that arena a lot. You visualize yourself being in that arena a lot. I don't like, I don't like getting away from that. I like talking about it often and competing in that moment visually a lot. That's awesome. Let's wrap with, up with this. I know you do infield camps. Obviously you teach, you're a college coach. You're going to be coming back to the 
coaching the, the bananas. We are working on a book. Share with us, tell us a, where, you know, where people can follow you and keep track of the story of, of how you're impacting people and how maybe they can connect with you to, so they can get impacted and all the cool things you're doing right now. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I actually started writing a book and it was based around my love of infield. That's my niche. That's the thing that I always go back to. Some people know me from like our growth toolbox program that we do at South Mountain, which is our skill development leadership course that we've done since 2016. Some people know me as a base running guy from my green light special base running camps and how we still bases on all the teams that we have. That's part of our offense. But at the core of me is infield play. And I was actually flying home to Oklahoma over Christmas break. And I just started, I got on my notes section on my phone and I was just putting together a poem type of thing about all of the infield terminology that I use with my college guys right now. And once we landed, like I basically had this little book put together of it's 24 pages of all the infield terminology and the groundwork of being a really fundamental infielder. Going from when you show up, when you stretch, how you play catch, how you break it out with the team, how you kind of work with in the circle and out of the circle, like we talked about, mm -hmm. talking about getting to your prep step, approaching baseballs, how you work your right foot, your left foot, all the body language that it takes within an infielder to make an out. So I basically take a, a little, a little kid to be a child going from showing up to the field, stretching, playing catch, and then making three outs on the infield and celebrating with your teammates. And so that's what the book is. It's called three up, three down an infielder story, but it's all the little terminology that I currently use with our infielders. And I think it's very important to try to make things as simplest, uh, as simple as possible. Sometimes I think we make things too complex and there's times for that, but I think if we can keep it simple and we can grow it from a young, a young age. And that's what I still try to do with our college guys. Still keep it simple. Some of the terminology I use, I still use with five, six, seven, eight year olds at our all you can eat info camps too, as well. And so that's where that book originated from. It's pretty fun. We're working through it right now. We're doing some illustrations right now. So we're kind of in the first step process. And so once we finish it, we'll finish it. Another thing that we're doing right now is I partnered with Coaches Insider. One of my good buddies does a lot of the video work there and I've always wanted to do an infield course. So we've shot a lot of video for that infield course and we've got some more infield things coming out. I got an infield course coming out sometime this fall and I'm excited about that. It'll be the first one. So again, trying to have a positive impact on 1 million people through baseball education and exercise. On the field, camps, a book, podcast, like I'm hanging out with you right now. So trying to touch all different areas and uh, me and you've talked about our, the book that I've put together. It's like a little daily book, 365 days of basically assessments, evaluations and, and looking at your day and trying to be successful. And I finished that it's completely done. We just have it in a binder and that's for our guys at South mountain. So I got a lot of that info from you and you've helped me out on that tremendously. So I appreciate you on that too, Brian. Awesome. And 
let everybody know where they can start watching uh, Banana Bowl because it's not only at the wonderful Grayson Stadium where you're at right now, but it's, uh, it's going to be on TV so everybody can get a taste of it. Can you let everybody know when that's happening? Yeah, so ESPN Plus is actually partnering with us. They're going to show Banana Bowl on August 19th and 20th. So we're going to have Banana Bowl World Series. It's going to be six games. August 19th and 20th, August 26th and 27th, and September 2nd and 3rd. So those are Fridays and Saturdays, this bowl, and that's going to be the bananas versus the party animals. We're going to be playing banana bowl. Also, ESPN Plus is coming out. One of our show episodes, I think it's going to be a four to six episodes of Banana Bowl. They filmed everything this spring when we went to seven different cities. So all of that content is going to be put into a four episode series. Yeah, it's going to be coming out in August. So everybody can check that out. And then 2023 is going to be huge. We've had a ton of people reach out to us. We're going to be traveling the country in 2023. So I'm expecting at least 20 cities, could be up to 25 cities. We're going to go all around the country. And then some crazy things that we're throwing out there is a banana cruise in the future. It'd be 3,000 banana fans. We're going to go to the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, Dominican, play some games there, play banana ball there. Then in the future, we're heading to some major league stadiums and playing banana ball. We've had some executives of major league teams reach out. And so all of that's filtering through and that's been the bananas vision for a long time. Now our 2025 vision is to playing some big league stadiums. And so that actually might happen quicker than we expected. And there's a lot of momentum right now. I just want to thank all the fans for supporting. That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to have to send you a, a, a video I have of Sammy years ago when that some somebody caught him like dancing maybe it's one of his early audition things before he gets to college you never know maybe one day he can be a savannah banana as well that's right i love it you have to send me that awesome Tyler. thank you so much again follow him on social media follow bananas there's a lot to learn here there's a lot to to gain from the experience of what banana bowl brings and, and what guys like tyler have to share with the community absolutely dive in get connected with him and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see each other this coming year absolutely would love to have you and Sammy out and appreciate all your help man and thanks for having me on it's good talking shop with you awesome have a great day see you thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode please consider leaving a review or sharing it with a friend also, please consider following us at Baseball Mentors and picking up a copy of our book, Play Ball Kit. We wish you the best of luck in your baseball journey.